You're listening to DraftKings Network. So let me get this straight. Here is the trade. The Packers get a pick swap in, in this year's first. They get a high second round pick. They get a second next year that probably converts to a first. They get $60 million taken off their books. And if he plays two years, $100 million taken off their books, right? $100 million. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We're produced by Jack Connell, musical producer of that music. You hear my son, Sam Brandt. I'll be seeing him this week. And we are presented, as always, by DraftKings. Here we go. It happened. Emergency podcast. I'm coming to you within a half hour of news breaking that Aaron Rodgers is being traded. And the helmet that I have behind me, the Green Bay Packers helmet, where I was with Aaron Rodgers for several years. He will no longer be wearing that. It's over. His career in Green Bay is over. We've known that for a while. What we haven't known is what the trade terms will be. We even have known where he's going to play next year. It's been a foregone conclusion that he'd be on the Jets. It's happening. And according to multiple reports, now we have a trade. I'm going to analyze the trade. But let me just say, I've said this all along, and I have been sort of thrown shade by people that don't agree with it, that the Packers had all the leverage here. Now, maybe not all the leverage, because it appeared that the Jets were the only suitor for Aaron Rodgers, but clearly they were more satisfied with the status quo. And the party that has the most leverage is that party. The one that is most satisfied with exactly how things are, if nothing changed. If nothing changed, yes, the Packers would not potentially get compensation in 2023 draft. So that was leverage for the Jets. But if nothing changed, the Packers would sit on Aaron Rodgers at least until August or September, because why trade him unless you get what you want? If it got past the draft, here's the thing. There was no early money for Aaron Rodgers in this contract. They didn't have to pay him in March. They didn't have to pay him in April, May, June, July, August. The option in Aaron Rodgers' contract that activates $60 million of guaranteed pay does not happen until September. It was a masterful stroke of negotiating by the Packers where they had created a leverage situation. They did not have to trade Aaron Rodgers. This idea that he would show up, come on. There was no real argument ever that I heard that told me the Jets had leverage. Now, if we got to September 1st, yeah, we can have that conversation. The Jets would have some leverage if we got to September 1st. But once we get past this week, what is the leverage for the Jets? How in the world are they going to extract Aaron Rodgers before the start of the season? Well, you know, would Aaron Rodgers force it? Maybe. What's he going to do? Is he going to show up in Green Bay and get hurt? Well, if it gets hurt, that only hurts the Jets, not the Packers. The Packers have their quarterback. So let's get to the trade. 
It's a swap of first round picks. So Jets go from 13 to 15. Packers go from 15 to 13. There are people out there that know the analytics on this more than I do. Moving up two picks in the middle of the first round, what's that worth? I don't know. Maybe a third? Maybe a fourth? Okay. The Packers get that value. The Packers get a high, high second round pick. I think it's 42 or 43, like eighth or ninth in the second round, or maybe 10th, 11th. Okay. That's a valuable pick. I know a draft and develop team like the Packers, they love high second round picks. It's where they got Christian Watson last year. It's where they've gotten people like Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. These are some of the second round picks they've gotten. Probably won't be a receiver this year, but that's some nice haul. So they have 13 and 42 plus whatever they have in the second round over the first two rounds. That's pretty good. The pack, And then there's some swapping of, of fifth and sixth round picks. I don't need to get into that. Here's the real key to the deal. In 2024, they are guaranteed a second-round pick. Again, music to Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the Packers' ears, getting a second-round pick next year, and that converts to a first. All Aaron has to do is play 65%. There's no statistical requirements. There's no playoff requirements. Play 65% of plays. That's it. That's it to get a first-round pick. There is no give back from the Jets to the Packers if Aaron doesn't play beyond 2024. So let me get this straight. Here is the trade. The Packers get a pick swap in in this year's first. They get a high second round pick. They get a second next year that probably converts to a first. They get $60 taken off their books. And if he plays two years, $100 taken off their books, right? $100 million, all for a player who in no way in God's green earth was going to play for the Green Bay Packers ever again. I'll repeat it. The Packers get a pick swap. They get a high second. They get a second next year that probably converts to a first. They get $60 million or perhaps $100 million taken off their hands, all for a player who was never, ever going to play for them again. That's a good deal. Now, we may learn the Packers are paying off some of that $60 million, and maybe it looks a little better for the Jets. They get some cash back. They don't have to pay off the full 60 But wow, this is exactly as I said it was for two months. The Packers had the better situation here. And I listen to a lot of respect and even smart people out there that say the Jets had leverage. I still don't see it. I still don't see a world where the Jets had leverage. That Aaron would show up in Green Bay and force a trade. So I don't get that, that Aaron would come to Green Bay and get hurt. This is not Brett Favre showing up in June or July and August. This is the offseason that Aaron Rodgers would somehow leave Southern California come to cold and windy and snowy lately, Green Bay, Wisconsin, to be a backup and do workouts there with people he's not going to be involved with anymore. Come on, people. Then you're just sort of creating arguments for talk radio or whatever. Packers had leverage here and they used it. Now, people are saying it's a great deal for the Jets if they win a Super Bowl. Of course it is. It's a great deal for the Jets if he leads them to a Super Bowl. Sure. 
What's the chance of that? What's the margin of error? One team makes it to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Oh, by the way, that league has, that conference has a team called the Bills, a team called the Chiefs, a team called the Ravens, a team called the Chargers. Come on, a team called the Cincinnati Bengals. And we're saying it's a good deal if they make it and win the Super Bowl. Sure, of course it is. But come on, that margin of error, you can't say that's an equalizer on the leverage equation. Come on. So I'm taking a little victory lap here because I had people that I like and respect say, oh, that Andrew Brandt's too hard on the leverage of the Packers. Of course, what, what else leverage was there? At the end of the day, I said this many times, is Joe Douglas, listen, it's not like the, the Jets hit anything, right? The Jets lusted after Aaron Rodgers the whole time. They flew a private plane and kissed his ring for four hours in Malibu. They said that there's no plan B. They were at the general manager says in an appearance with Boomer Esiason, he'll be here. I mean, you talk about giving up any leverage. They were absolutely happy to do that. So they get Aaron Rodgers, 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers. I'm a huge fan of, as everyone knows, I'm an unabashed fan. But there seems some decline last year from the previous years. Now, again, you can blame it on a lot of things. Injury, young receivers, etc. But he's going to transform them to the Super Bowl. We'll see. But there's no requirement for the Packers to get a number one based on playoffs. That's what's even amazing here. The fact that the 65% conversion to a first-round pick next year, the more I think about that is, wait a minute, no playoffs? It's not even 70%? Like, no statistical? There is something right there. So the deal is done. I feel, I said this before, this is rehashing, because when it became clear he was going to be traded, there's a sad moment there. And this is the face of the franchise. This is someone I have been a huge fan of. This is someone that I've connected with my sons for the last 15 years watching him play. And the deja vu is eerie. 15 years ago, we traded Brett Favre, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and turned the keys over to Aaron Rodgers, a first-round pick that had been sitting in the bullpen for three years, and we traded Brett to the Jets. Now, 15 years later, we trade. they trade Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, a Hall of Fame quarterback, and turn the team over to Jordan Love, a former first-round pick, has been sitting in the bullpen for three years. It is eerie. And as I tweeted, we'll await the 2038 trade of Jordan Love to the New York Jets. All right, the trade is done. This is fascinating to me because I even started questioning myself, am I missing something here? Is there some leverage point for the Jets that I'm missing? Because I didn't see it. I didn't see anything credible that the Jets had leverage. And I guess I'm, I'm seeing it right. I'm seeing it right. This is what's happening. I am seeing this exactly right. The Packers had the leverage. They used it. They get a pick swap. They get a high two, right? They get a two that goes to a one next year and no give back if Rodgers retires. And no conditions besides the 65%. And no, no assurances that Rodgers plays more than one year. So they could be given all this up and they get $60 million off their hands. Maybe it's a little less. Potentially $100 million off their hands. 
for a player that may play for 16 games or less, depending on injury. Wow. Packers won. I know I'm biased. I know they're my old team. I know Brian Gutekunst. I don't consider Brian Gutekunst a masterful negotiator. I think he's a masterful scout. But the circumstances were there. The circumstances were there for a win in this trade, and they got it. Okay, that's my emergency pod on this. Before I go, I got to say one thing about the decision last week of the NFL to suspend several players of the Detroit Lions for gambling. Listen, the NFL is in a mode of do as I say, not as I do. There has been no area of sports law or sports business that has undergone as big a sea change in the past five years as sports betting. It has been taboo. The NFL fought this in court against the state of New Jersey for seven years. They didn't want New Jersey to implement sports betting. They relied on an integrity argument. They were dead set against sports betting. All of a sudden, it's legal, and they have embraced it. They have deals with PointsBet, with FanDuel, with DraftKings, with Caesars. You can't watch NFL product without heavy emphasis on sports gambling. It's throughout the product. We have sports books within stadiums, something you used to outlaw. They used to not have it at Wembley. They shut down the parlors when the game was played there. Now. The bottom line is, after off saying all that, players can't do it. Not for players. Calvin Ridley last year suspended for a year for making three parlay bets in Florida while he was away on a mental health break. Calvin Ridley out for a year. Deshaun Watson allegedly assaulting 30 women out for 11 games. Now we have six Detroit Lions, ones now on the Washington Commanders, suspended either indefinitely or six games. A couple of them, the Lions said, that's enough, we're out. Two of them, including Jamison Williams, the number 12 pick overall last year, said, we're good. We'll wait for you after your suspension, which proves, again, greater talent equals greater tolerance. The players that were not going to be players for the Lions, they said, you're out. Done. We cut you. Gone. Serve your indefinite suspension somewhere else. For Jamison Williams, no, no, you got to stay. We'll be here when your suspension's done. Come on in. Greater talent greater tolerance. But the betting thing is hard to justify, but it really comes down to this. There's a business embrace. There's a player morality still questioned. From a business point of view, the NFL has embraced gambling and will continue to do so as the monetization angles only increase. From a player point of view, you just can't. But it does create this dichotomy from a public point of view, like, what? Wait, how? Wait, you can do that? But players can't bet. Everyone can bet. Like You've got everyone doing their phone, doing betting. FanDuel, DraftKings, it's in your face. But no. But no. So that shows the NFL do as I say, not as I do. And also the point about greater talent and greater tolerance. Okay, last point is speaking of gambling, the baseball issue. It looks like the Oakland A's are going to be moving to Las Vegas. They bought a 49-acre parcel. They are going to be following their neighbor, former Oakland neighbor, the Raiders, to Vegas for the exact same reason. The Raiders couldn't get a workable solution in Oakland. The A's can't get a workable solution in Oakland. What does that mean? They can't get city and state leaders to pay a reasonable or even unreasonable amount. 
to keep them there. So what do they do? They look to Nevada. Nevada gave a $750 million stadium subsidy to Mark Davis and the Raiders, and it looks like or there's talk of a half a billion stadium subsidy for the owners of the A's. This seems wrong. I know we're in this age of, first of all, gambling, whatever, Vegas, fine. But the A's sort of reaping the benefit of being a disaster of a franchise, disaster of a stadium, whether that's their problem or the city's problem, disaster of a franchise with a payroll of around $50 million, some $300 million lower than the Mets, one of the worst teams in the league, doesn't spend any money on the team, they'll be rewarded with a huge payoff in Vegas. Vegas is everything. They're going to make a lot of money. They're going to get public subsidy. They're going to get fans. It just seems wrong, but that's the day and age, and that's the name of this podcast. The business of sports always wins, and usually who loses when the business of sports wins? Not usually, but sometimes. It's the fans. The fans of Oakland. Now, I know a lot of them weren't showing up for the A's, but you know, they were given this sad sack franchise and now it's going to move. Now it's going to not going to happen anytime soon, but that's where we are with the business of sports. It is true business, whether it's gambling over player integrity, whether it's franchise relocation over fandom, that all is there. So that's it. And a final note, getting back to the emergency podcast nature of this, the Packers and Jets have a trade. Aaron Rodgers no longer. It's sad for me as a Packers fan. I want to say that. It's sad, but we move on. And that's what sports is. Uh, no one ends up in their own jersey. I know there's a few. There's a few. There's the Peyton Mannings. Well, he didn't. He ended up with the Broncos. Tom Brady ended up in Tampa. Joe Montana ending up in Kansas City. Johnny Unitas, San Diego. Uh, Russell Wilson, Denver, Matt Ryan, a couple different places. It happens. It's where we are in sports. You know, the Steph Curry's of the world are the outliers, and that's where we are. All right, that'll do it. Share this podcast with a friend. If you have comments, please give me the rating and the comments. I'll have more on this on the newsletter, andrew-brandt.com. I'll have more of this, obviously, on Twitter, Andrew Brandt. I'll do reels of this on Instagram, Andrew Brandt, too. And of course, share this with a friend. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks to producer Jack Connell, musical producer Sam Brandt. Thanks to you for listening to this emergency podcast about the Aaron Rodgers trade. Have a great Monday night. Have a great week. I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt.